All right. This is episode 10 of Multilingual Genius. Um, run us our check. Run us our check. Um, and pay um, knowing your worth. Um, again, this is uh, three. This is part two of a three part segment with the lovely and amazing and very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda, who is a social work hey, guru. <laughs> Hello, um, and thank you for having me. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you can join us again, and I'm so happy that you're here. Um, I wanted to, we're going to start with our affirmations as always. So let me know when you're ready. I am ready. Born All right. ready. <laughs> All right. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am enough. I am enough. I am creative. I am creative. I am brilliant. I am brilliant. I am trustworthy. I am trustworthy. I trust myself. I trust myself. I am a leader. I am a leader. I am... Me. I am me. I walk in purpose. I walk in purpose. We're going to have a good podcast. We're going to have an amazing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so um, I was trying to remember uh, as I was slowing down, I was trying to remember some of the ones that like Marley definitely uh, created. So um, That's beautiful. She came up with I am creative, I am me, like those I, I am trustworthy, those are all hers. Um, so I was just like trying to remember the oh, ones that she I love that. And she's um, <laughs> starting from young with the <laughs> positive affirmations. I love it. Girl, that is whether we walk to her school or we get in the car that I have to run to work, like she like we say it and I tell her are you ready and she's like yes and then we started there are some days <laughs> that like when you gotta peel and, and we know like as moms you know you gotta peel your kids out of the bed sometimes oh, oh yes so <laughs> those days she's like mommy I don't want to say it can you say it twice for me <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, you gotta love it <laughs> all right so um to Today, this episode is um, strictly on money and trying to leverage our bilingualism, multilingualism um, in the workforce. So um, I'm going to ask you to just walk us through your work journey. And what I mean by that is like from when you first started, what your first job was up to right now and all of the, um, you know, whether it's side hustles or things that you did, um, you know, the hustle is real and I know it. So one of the things I want to make sure is that we can see like the trajectory of your journey. Absolutely. So I would say my first job ever was at 14. Uh, can you, I mean, that's how far back we're going right now. <laughs> 14, <laughs> I was part of this program called the Read Program, which was phenomenal. I don't think it exists anymore, but it was a nonprofit that taught um, younger students how to read through other like teens. So me being 14 at that time, 
my the kids were about I want to say six seven years old and they had like an actual like lesson plan of which books to do and as they reached their goals like we would move on to different books and we always went through this model of you know say the word um say the word let's say it together now you try um and I I will always remember that because that's kind of like what I've been using with my kids now so talking about at age 14 how that reflected now um but that was like a like a summer program and then did the summer youth program in the Bronx working at a daycare Uh, and then the following year after that I got my first job opportunity um, working in fast food Jamba Juice Um, I did that for a few years marked (laughs) you remember that making my smoothies (laughs) and actually that was my first experience like being bilingual, but not knowing my worth at that time. Um, Because, you know, when it comes to being bilingual, you need to negotiate your pay because you should be paid what you're worth because you're doing the job of two people. We'll get back to that. (laughs) But in, you know, when I was younger, you you don't know that. Um, But I, I had to talk with tourists because I was working, you know, in the city. So we would get people from all around the world. Um, And then that worked me to my retail experience at American Eagle. And then eventually it got me into my social work experience, uh, which was being a direct service provider for um, for young adults who had disabilities that needed um, like caretakers um, to residential treatment program to uh, doing outpatient work, which is what I'm doing right now, just at a federally qualified health center level um, and eventually futuristic um, in a private practice to open my own practice to be my own boss which is what I'm currently trying to do even with some side hustles <laughs> uh, with uh, Color Street and Pharmacy. So that has been my work journey. Um, but really, you know, throughout all of these journeys, especially when I got into the social work role, knowing my worth and knowing that if I am providing a service, because that's what we're doing, right? We're doing I'm doing social work, but I'm also providing a service uh, for people that do not speak English, right? So if they are just using Spanish, I'm using my my skill, being bilingual, to provide a service um, that I love, absolutely, because my people's, right? <laughs> um, but just knowing my worth, and that was super important to know and to realize. And I, I learned that through supervisors and through my journey of what it means to negotiate your pay. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, I guess because I was like there as like an onlooker um, from (laughs) Jamba Juice on, I'm like, I like the growth and just the way that like your work ethic, uh, Melinda, I can't even say like it's unmatched. Like I can't even like like you're making me blush like honestly um you like hustle you make sure that things are done and like the way that you do it you do it through purpose and you do it through a passion so honestly um I commend you for that I make sure that like you know gotta give you your flowers while while, while we all still can right you know thank you girl Um, (laughs) and so um similar to you like I didn't know that being bilingual or 
multilingual or being able to express or communicate with a larger population yeah. than just English speaking um, should be leveraged, should be something that can be marketed, right? And like, you probably have known me as long as I've been working, right? Absolutely. And so the, the fact that I've been dabbled in all these little, um, like, well, I don't want to say little, but like just in different sectors makes me realize like how important um, whether that is in um, criminal justice, whether that is in social work, whether that is in education, whether that is in um, finance, whether that is in, God, I've done a lot, but like just <laughs> knowing like in these sectors, how important being bilingual is because of a point of access, you become a gatekeeper, you become um, someone that can open doors for um, nuestra gente, right? Our people, right? Absolutely. Being able to, you know, um, communicate um, finances, communicate social work and mental health and what those things look like. And um, there's something that feels like home when even if you're going into a, um, a, a store and you're looking for something specific, for somebody to be like, I know your language, I can speak it and I can I can help you. Like that can only be done by someone that knows the language, right? Absolutely. Um, so that comes, brings me to my yeah. next question. Yeah, and um, you know, if I can just add, like it, it, also the realization comes with, you know, people hire interpreters or like medical interpreters for example in the hospital to interpret for others so essentially you know you're helping your company not have to hire a medical interpreter when you're providing that service and um I never knew that until I had a supervisor instill that in me and she told me you know no matter what you do no matter where you go know your worth and make sure you ask and negotiate that bilingual pay because not every company will do it you know, they it, unless you bring it up, they're not going to put that on the table like you have to put that on the table. And I, I had to learn that um, because I think I missed out on many years of, of pay because I never said it, asked and like was stern about it, because at the end of the day, they need you. You don't need them. Mm. Uh, that is so interesting that you say that, because um, in my current job, um, one of the things that. I lived through was like negotiating pay right and I was gonna settle and I started to realize like no like I am bilingual I have a two masters I'm working on my doctor like these are all the things and I'm like when you start thinking about the statistics behind that like how many Latinas or Afro-Latinas or just people in general um women in general get these degrees you start to realize like not only do I have the degree, but I have the communication on top of that to, to increase the, um, the exposure of, of the need, right? And so Absolutely. one of the things that I realized was like, no, I'm going to ask for this and I'm not settling for anything else. So like, it's either this or I'm just going to keep looking. And sure enough, it worked out, which is great. And when I did start, um, one of the things that is part of my job description is to translate. And I started to realize like I'm start I'm translating in Spanish and I'm trans and that comes in easy for me. 
but now I'm translating in French and I'm sitting there wow. and, and because of our like foundational um, Spanish, we can translate in, in French. We can translate in Italian. You can translate in a few languages because of the Latin base of it. So some of the things that like I'm doing, I'm just sitting there like I asked like, oh, um, we only have a couple of students who speak this particular language. Can you translate? I'm like, sure. If it's going to benefit one student, I'm going to do it. But I was, I asked like, what would you do before? Because I'm literally the only person in my, um, I guess, team that speaks another language. They were like, oh, we would just hire somebody to translate it. We would hire individuals to do it. And I'm like, there, there's that. So imagine if I would have just given myself that, that like not standard of what I wanted, then you would easily just fall into that idea of like, well, I'm like any, anybody else. When, when it, that's not true, <laughs> like you said, it's more than one, um, one job that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So let me ask the following question. Sure. It is, um, um, in the first episode, we talked about the importance and need of bilingualism. And now, um, how do we use the skills and language um, to increase our pain? Um, outside of just, you know, when we go look for a new job, um, let's say you want to stay in that job, how do you leverage and how do you start that conversation of like, these are the things that I'm doing? Yeah. So like, you mean like while you're in the job force or like when you're searching for a new one? (laughs) When you're in the job force, when you're in in the the job job force. No, absolutely. Because a lot of the time, a lot of agencies will want to keep your pay as such, um, when as the company grows and you're growing as a person, you're also growing in helping others. So for example, if you're, you know, providing a service in the language, but then you're also, you know, helping to translate forms, helping um, to fill out forms for for your patients, um, being able to be an advocate for them because other agencies, for example, you know, let's say they don't have anyone that's Spanish speaking, you become that translator and that advocate for that person. So when it comes to negotiating, I know um, I'll have times, especially during, um, you know, every year they do like a a merit praise or a merit raise. Um, During the time of my review, I always make sure and everyone listening, make sure you do this, right? You make sure you list every single thing you did outside of the traditional job description. Because in your job description for a social worker, it does not say, you know, go be a medical translator at someone's appointment, right? Like your, your role is the clinical social worker to provide, you know, trauma treatment, individual care, substance use treatment, whatever that treatment plan looks like, that is what your role is. Your role is technically not an advocate. You know, it's technically not, um, you know, going going to the school to to help with an IEP, for example. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, I'll go with a lot of my, my the parents of the children that I see, for example, and because they're not provided like equal rights during like an IEP meeting. And that's just one kind of thing. 
I wish I wish you could see like my reaction to what you're saying. I wish the people could see my reaction because I instantly got so annoyed. Oh, I can I can give you stories for days. I tell you, um, you know, I was fortunate in my previous federally qualified health center. I had the opportunity to be able to block time to attend meetings. Um, again, outside of my role, my role is remain in you know your outpatient facility. Um, but my I want to say my supervisor was very open mind, and I thank her because she was phenomenal. And if she's listening out there, like she was a phenomenal driving force to the social worker I am today. And um, I remember her saying, "Yeah, block that time. You know, go go be with your families." Um, and this would be for. DCF meetings, which it could be uh, Department of Children Family Services or ACS, Administration of Children Family Services. I know different states call it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in attending those meetings, because a lot of time, you know, my clients did not get an interpreter. <laughs> like that is against the law. And so yes. the minute they yes. saw my clinician is with me, you see the shaking, the shook, like, oh, uh-oh, yeah. there's somebody added to the bunch. Like, yes, I, you know, you cannot do this. Like, this is against the law. You need to provide, you know, e- if yeah. you are not someone that speaks that person's primary language, you need to give an interpreter. Um, yeah. And so all of these pieces, right, I, I know it, it's when we're talking about negotiation, like you need to mention these things because a lot of the time agencies don't look outside the box. They don't see everything that people with, you know, bilingualism do, right? Like they're not Mm -hmm. seeing that we're doing so much, so much. I mean, we're taking the role of two people. Like Mm -hmm. let's, let's get real here, right? We're doing two jobs at the same time, always. Just to speak on that point, um, you know, in theory, um, the legality of it is that every single parent, every single child should have an interpreter that is native to their language when doing IEPs or anything um, for services. However, a lot of just entities or systems, Mm -hmm. what they do is oh, well, we don't have one. So it's just going to happen the way it is. And they're going to understand however you want. Now, until recently, like, I may be the only Spanish speaking person in the building. And during parent teacher conference, that was a mess sometimes Mm -hmm. for me, because I would have to be in five different rooms in the matter of, of 10 minutes. And, you know, you start to realize, like, these are the amounts, um, these are the things that your supervisor or the powers that be, the person that cuts the check, thinks yeah. like, oh, well, you're, you're doing the job. Yes, I'm doing the job, but I'm doing all of the jobs. So you start realizing, like, this is important for me to say out loud and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you keep your receipts. Like you said, make sure that you're writing things down, writing all the things that you do that are not part of your job description, but you know that it's um, purposeful. It's beneficial to the the company that you work for. And it's um, benefiting the humans that 
you're interacting with, right? So mm-hmm. oftentimes we, are, we, as bilinguals, we love to use the language because we know that that allows access to Absolutely. the people, you know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. one of the things um, I'm like crazy about is making sure like, and I think when we were offline, I had mentioned this, is that like, you know, there are places that do not market specific um, titles as needing to be bilingual or needing to know more than one language. And then what happens is that they don't market it that way. So many of the bilinguals in that profession do not have um, interest in that particular role or do not know it even exists. And then they'll just hire whoever meets all the other boxes outside of that piece, being bilingual, knowing that that piece is probably integral to that part, um, to that role. So um, anyone that is out there listening and is like, you know what, um, you, you do all the things and you bring to, and I've, I've met some individuals that are like trilingual and like the sole definition of multilingual. And yeah. the fact that like, you know, they are not getting paid all of the things that they are doing is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary, you know? Absolutely. Um, so definitely making sure that you are provided um, if you're, and a consumer, you're being provided the services in your language. And then um, if you are a provider, making sure that those individuals who work for you or you yourself are bilingual, like that's absolutely yeah. necessary. Also, this is a, a, this is a, um, <laughs> a plug because on the first episode, <laughs> we were talking about um, Duolingo and I went back because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little crazy. <laughs> You know, I'm a little crazy. So I had to go back and I was doing all of the things. You know, I have to like, I, I have to go see if like what I was talking about was a real thing. Did you know that Duolingo has its own curriculum? <gasps> Get out. I'm not lying. Its own <laughs> curriculum is completely free. Its own curriculum, what? its own um, classroom, very similar to like Google Classroom, where you kind of click on things and then you can like assign um, lessons and stuff. Very similar to that. And I opened up one just being curious, and I started clicking on stuff. And I'm like, you can assign, you can assign a group of students a particular um, particular lessons, language lessons, whether oh, you're learning Spanish, French, or whatever it is that you want to learn in terms of language. They're like, it's a free service. And I was talking to my supervisor and I was like, why aren't we using this? She was like, well, if it's free, it's always, we, we can use it now. I was like, great, because I'm literally here. I'm, I'm now, me and Marley, this is our night nighttime schedule where we like sit down and we're learning French together. And oh so, my like, goodness, I, I love that. <laughs> so like, watch this. Marley, come here. Come here. I just want you to say um, good good morning in French. Bonjour. Hold on, hold on. Oh. I, I gotta put I gotta put you you in the in the in the headphones. You gotta hold come on. join us. Okay, say say good morning. 
about um duolingo is that like it has that um positive reinforcement um so you kind of gain like little gems and like it's like a cute little game thing but it's um you know I kept my mom doing it all the time to keep up with her English because she was saying to me and I was like mommy I don't I don't think you're gonna lose English she was like no but okay claramente se me va I was like, oh my God, girl, like I promise. And she was like, no, I'm going to keep. And I mean, my mom is like one of those people who just sit there like passively continuing to learn English. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yes. I'm. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me a second. I'm gonna. I, I swear. Like the, these podcasts, there's certain parts that I don't want to edit, and this is probably one of them because it's like <laughs> mom life is real. Like this. Mom is life, life is so real. <laughs> <laughs> I think if it wasn't like this late, my my kids would have been storming in. <laughs> No, that's the only thing. Like Mar- Marley's past her bedtime, and I'm just Yo. like, girl, you need to sleep. Um, <laughs> but so that, um, so that was that question. And then um, one thing that you know we also have to be prepared when we do these negotiations, and we write all we we have our receipts. And we know that our salary is not matching what we are doing mm-hmm. is um, being willing to let go of that position, right? Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not saying like quit tomorrow and then there's no source of income. Like, don't be crazy right. out here. Right. What you should do, <laughs> don't be crazy. Before you have these conversations with your employers, what you should do is start putting out your resume enlisting all the things that you do do that same exact list you put it on your resume and you start seeking other places and you start just kind of wetting your feet if you will if you will about like um what you can potentially be making in some in some other place absolutely right Um, Yeah, and the importance of like, I mean, I love Google, we can Google everything like that is what's so phenomenal that we can Google, you know, what is the average salary of a, you know, bilingual social worker and, you know, it'll pop up and I'll tell you what your average is. So then you'll know right there, you'll know uh, like a ballpark of, oh, like they're trying to like give me, you know, less than what I'm worth, you know, mm-hmm. and you can throw that at them, like, you know, in a very respectful way, of course, mm-hmm. you know, say like, well, you know, in my research, this looks like the more accurate salary um, for a position that I'm applying for. And they they have to take that into consideration. And if they don't, well, then that's probably not the place for you because they don't know your worth. And you need to be somewhere where they know your worth and that they know that, yes, we need this person and we are going to do whatever it takes to keep this person and to keep them happy. Because what's work if you're not having fun with it? You need to have fun with what you do. You need to enjoy what you do. And if you're not enjoying it, it's it it becomes very stressful. So this actually comes to um, that's a perfect segue for the following question. When do you know it's time to go? 
when, when you, you know burn toast. To <laughs> when you burn toast, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> when, <No. laughs> uh, oh my God. Have you ever uh, burnt toast before? And yeah, um, I know my mom does this, and so does my dad. They'll hand you a, a knife and then you scrape it off. And then you the scrape tongue. it off. <laughs> scrape it off. I can find. <laughs> It's fine. You'll be okay. (laughs) Let me tell you, that's what we do to ourselves all the time. Because if you're feeling burnout, if you're feeling burnout, it's like we're taking that knife and just scraping off the burn pieces. And we're saying, no, we could keep going. We could keep doing this. No, stop. Sirens, red flags, all the things. If you are burnt out, it means it's time to go. You can no longer do your job and do it right if you're burnt toast. You can't, you know, because if you're burnt toast, that means you're feeling compassion fatigue. Um, it, you're, you're feeling uh, what we call, um, oh, my goodness, why can't I come up with the word right now? But it's a vicarious trauma. There we go. Vicarious mm. trauma from working with the patients that you're working with. And you're like really feeling that you're, you're feeling all those emotions and feelings. And you just can't um, go past it because you haven't had a time to decompress. That is when you're getting burnt toast and you need to, you know, if you're not able to separate anymore, if you're getting piles and piles and piles of work on top of work, it means it's time to go. Burnt toast is not the way to go, you know, and we can't, we can't just scrape off the piece and say, I'm gonna be okay. I could crawl out of this hole. No, you cannot crawl out of this hole. Like you need, you need to go, you need to go. And it's hard. It's hard, right? Because a, right. We don't have the resources, you know, financial resources in the moment to just quit somewhere, right? Like sometimes we, we need to plan kind of like how you were mentioning before, like getting those resumes going, really being like, okay, what, what would be my worth? What are the, the, the skills that I'm doing now at my job that other jobs will be like, wow, this is somebody that we want because it feels so good to feel wanted. You know, you want to feel that wanted at a job. And if you're feeling burnt toast, that means you're not feeling that joy anymore. And so you Mm. can't do all the good things that you were doing before, Mm. you know? And I will say this, like, God, I'm not going to mention the name of my previous employer, (laughs) but because again, like the DOE is big. However, like each school runs on its own culture, its own like administration, its own, like, you know, uh, there's just no other way of saying it, It, its own culture. So, um, shout out to the school in the Bronx that I left. Like that was like, I honestly can say that like, if it wasn't a travel issue, I would still be there because from the principal down to the janitors, they were just a cohesive, collective, collaborative, just team. And like just genuine people that cared about kids and cared about each other. And so I think that what's important is that like, and it comes from the top to bottom because mm-hmm. when I tell you that principle to this day, I can text her and just say, hey, how are you? Or like, I was thinking about you and she'll just yeah. be like, give Marley a kiss for me, give Marley a hug for me. Like, those are the people that you are like, they care about you as a person and Absolutely. they care about you and how you grow and develop as a professional. Um, 
I think that especially with the work that we do, both in education and in social work, Mm -hmm. there has to be that point where you expect your staff to do the work. However, don't expect them to do more than what they are capable of doing. And also understand that that person is not just their profession. They also have, you know, things at home going on. They have children or they have um, responsibilities. They have older uh, parents or whatever it is that keeps them going um, on a personal level. You have to be able to, as a supervisor, you know, love on your people. Love on your people in the ways that like this, this, like when I tell you that principle, during the pandemic, full-blown pandemic, she sent individualized postcards to all her staff just saying thank you. Literally, just Aww. literally. And you knew you were going to see her, but she just was like, I was thinking about you. Thank you for. And she was very specific about what you've done for her and the, um, and the school. And so those are the things that you kind of like. You remember you, those things. Right? Yeah. You don't remember those things. You kind of keep them. Um and now for my previous, like the previous school, um, before I, um, before I left the DOE, um, that I can say was a hot mess. When I tell you a hot mess, a complete hot mess. And, um, I'll say this as someone that like tries my best to do right by people, I, and not to say like I'm a perfect human being, but like in right. terms of like just doing what I think is best for people. Um, I would never try and like mess with people's livelihoods. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You want to work with individuals that like really care about you, the person. And there was an incident and I'm just saying that out loud because that's how I knew it was time to go is because there was all these isolated incidents that I knew that they did not care for the community in which they serve, right? Whether it was the students, whether it was the teachers, whether it was um, the admin. At the same time, there was just these isolated incidents that were poorly managed and poorly, poorly addressed. And I mean, like situations where it was like there was a racial uh, racial slur being said by a teacher. There was another situation where um, uh, one of the students um, said something super inappropriate about a teacher. And like, you know, there was another incident where and and down to this day, like last week, I had to have a like a back and forth for almost eight weeks to get my last paycheck from the DOE because mm-hmm. of because of the poor management, the poor just like I should not have to go back and forth about something that belongs to me. And I was, I'm not banking on that check, but I worked for it. So it's mine. 
Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that we, the theme of this episode is about making sure that you know that like your cup has to be full before Mm -hmm. you try and pour onto others. And that cup right now is uh, symbolic to pay, symbolic Mm -hmm. to money, because we can sit here and say like, you know, it's, it's about human uh it's all it's about the services it's about the people I get that and I'm there with you but at the end of the day financially you have to be stable to be able to provide for your own individual needs Mm -hmm. um because if you yourself cannot be in a stable place how can you help someone else there's just no way Mm um now there is one last thing so we talked about when do you know it's time to go we (laughs) figured out when you're burnt toast when the 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 company or the entity that you work for um does not value you uh or knows your worth Mm -hmm. and lastly um knowing that you can find a better place yeah Absolutely. Knowing that there's a better place out there. Um, I think that um, there's one last thing that I wanted to do in this episode. Um, and I think we're going to end that way. I'm going to hope that I can have it, have you hear it. Um, just give me one second. All right. So one of the things that we were talking about was, um, you know, leveraging being bilingual and the importance of it. And this actually, um, I mentioned to you offline, was a conversation that I had with my dad. He sent me a voice note and I'm going to play it for the audience. Um, I sent him a just like a general thank you for how hard he had he he was on me and Mariana on Um, making sure that we knew the Spanish language. And he basically told us the story as to why he was. And so um, here it goes. Te voy a contar una historia. Lo voy a hacer corta. Un día estaba yo comiendo en Queens. Era mi mi hora de, de lunch. Llegó mi jefe. Él, uno de los multimillonarios, él hablaba conmigo solo inglés cuando estábamos en la oficina. Un día me vio solo sentado en mi lunch time. Él llegó y me dijo en perfecto español así. Buenas tardes, Julio. ¿Cómo está? Yo dije, ¿cómo este tipo habla español? Y se me quedó viendo. Ah, me dice, usted no sabe que yo hablo español, ¿verdad? Le digo, no, 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 no lo sabía, pero usted lo habla bien claro. Y me dice, sí, yo lo hablo claro porque estudié cinco años en Costa Rica. Mi papá me mandó a Costa Rica a estudiar español cinco años porque dice que el idioma español va a ser el idioma de los negocios dentro de 20 años y yo tengo que estar 
ahí para hacer negocios. Aparte de eso, me dijo, yo tengo una empresa que hace vino en California y la mayoría de gente que trabaja en California son mexicanos e hispanos. Entonces, yo tengo que aprender español y saber español para poder tratar con ellos y negociar con ellos. Imagínate, una persona multimillonaria, multimillonaria, eh, estaba aprendiendo otro idioma y para poder negociar y poder vivir una vida más tranquila. Si el aprender otro idioma, hija mía, no es malo, no es malo, es bueno, te trae muchos beneficios. Eso ahora que estás grande, tú lo entiendes y pásaselo a tu hija. Ya, si los hijos de Mali no quieren eh, aprender español, ya es cosa de ellos. Pero pásale eso a tu hija y enséñale porque es bueno para ellos. So that, that was the, 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 um, the consejo the, de dad. El consejo de papi. So, um, that made me realize, like, you know, it, it kind of drives our purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like, for, for, and my dad has always been that way. Um, and one thing that I will always be very thankful for him is that when he says that, to me it just kind of ignites this fire of like I know I'm in the in the place that I need to be um and it just kind of gives you that like sense of like just happiness to to know that like you can communicate with your people you can communicate and and it's a love language that's for sure absolutely Oh my goodness, that was an amazing story. <laughs> I loved hearing that. And I appreciate and I know everyone who's listening appreciates being a part of this journey with you because that was beautiful. Oh my goodness. Dad, if you're listening, I <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> All right. So with that, we are going to end. Um, Melinda, I want to, I like, I appreciate you so much. I, know I appreciate that like, you having me here. <laughs> this is, the, this is therapeutic, y'all. This is therapeutic. <laughs> so, um, I'm so happy that you, um, have just opened your life to the podcast and making sure that like we can, um, give these gems to anybody that is willing to listen. Um, I will definitely post um, the first and the second um, part, which is this part. And um, stay tuned for episode part part three. (laughs) All right. Thank you, girl. Thank you. Bye, everyone.